Mass exodus of people. What have you upset someone? I haven't even started yet. <laughs> it was interesting, uh, Pastor, saying that, that they uh, had to go away and uh, officiate at the wedding and they, uh, they didn't get home till midnight. And I thought to myself, midnight? It is good to get an early night occasionally, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. I'll just move that back a little bit better. Luke chapter 17. As we continue through the, the, gospel, the gospel of Luke. And we'll be starting at verse 5. Luke chapter 17 verse 5. Before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. We thank you for the wondrous things you have put in there for us to learn and to see. We ask now, Lord, you would open our hearts and our minds. Teach us, Lord, some of the wondrous things in your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, previously, we were looking in the first part of Luke 17 about the need for forgiveness. We spoke about how God commands us that we should forgive, forgive people. And it's really interesting that the very next thing that the apostles say in, in, in verse 5 is, Lord, increase our faith. It's as if they have understood immediately, unlike most of the times, they have clearly understood that what they've been asked to do was extremely difficult and they needed more faith in able, to be able to do this. And you know, give these guys full credit. For this, this case, they have understood the situation. That to forgive as Jesus commanded them is very difficult and that they would need more faith. And so they said to him, Lord, Increase our faith. But that's also really quite interesting. Because they've been talking about, about forgiveness and offences and people getting upset and needing to have a good attitude towards other, other believers. But they don't say, increase our compassion. They don't say, Lord, increase our mercy. They don't say, Lord, increase our understanding. They say, Lord, increase our faith. Because it is, faith is the basic fundamental part of being a Christian. And it's through faith that we gain compassion. It is through faith that we gain understanding. It is through faith we are able to forgive. Faith is the basis of all these things. And that's why, correctly, they say, Lord, increase our faith. Now, when you increase something, it goes from one amount to a larger amount. That sounds pretty sort of obvious. The first question you need to ask when you, you know, want to increase something is, how much do I have already? Now, for instance, if you say to yourself, I would really, really like that big 52-inch plasma TV 
you know, sitting there in JB Hi-Fi or whatever in Harvey Norman, and you have a look at the price, the first thing you need to realise is how much have I got already? Then I can see how much more do I need? Now that's a very basic, simple um, analogy of it. But if we're going to say, well, we need more faith, the question then comes, well, how much do we have now? So Jesus begins to explain to them, how much do you have now? And verse 6, and, and the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree or sycamore tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now what we really understand immediately here is they didn't have very much. How big is a grain of mustard seed? This big. Right? Now, in fact, it was proverbial amongst Jews that the mustard seed was the smallest of seeds. Now, in actual fact, it's not the smallest of seeds, but it was a saying amongst people, as small as a grain of mustard. Okay? As small as a mustard seed. That was their way of expressing very, very small things. Okay? If you had as much faith as a grain of mustard seed, tiny, tiny little amount. So he's indicating you don't even have that much. If you had that much, you might say unto this sycamore tree. Now, trees. I like trees. You know, I spent a great deal of time amongst trees and trees. And that sort of stuff. And I started to think, he says, this sycamore tree. You know what that says to me? He was standing next to one. Okay, you know, because when our Lord used parables and examples and, and, and things like that, they were close at hand. There's another passage uh, where, where John uh, says, referring to some rocks, says that God is able to raise up sons of Abraham out of these rocks. Now he doesn't mean any rock, he means those particular rocks. So when the Lord says, this sycamore tree, he was there pointing at a tree. So what was he talking about? Well, we can tell you, I can tell you some things he wasn't referring to. He was not referring to the British sycamore, which is in Latin, Asa puta canteris. That's not the sycamore tree he was talking about. Nor is he talking about the American sycamore, Plantinus oxidanatus. That's not the sycamore he was talking about because they don't grow in Palestine. Okay? They're, 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 the, the problem with this is that the same word, sycamore, refers to a whole bunch of trees. Like I said, the British sycamore, the American sycamore. In this case, it's referring to the sycamore fig. The sycamore fig, Ficus sycamorus. How big is the sycamore fig? It's interesting that the common fig tree, and there's one of them growing out there, 
now if you want to have a look at one. The common fig tree never gets much more than a couple of metres tall. Three, four metres tops is usually about as big as a fig tree gets. However, the sycamore fig gets huge. There is one down in Jerusalem which is 15 metres high. Okay. Big tree. And it is renowned for widespread branches that grow actually fairly close to the ground. It was frequently planted along the wayside of places they, because it was shade for travellers. And it provided, because it, gr it grows figs, they're not as big as the commercial type fig tree. They're small, but very sweet. And, and they were available for travellers as they walked along. That is the sycamore tree that's referred to in scripture. It's actually a type of fig. Now, does that... The sycamore figs, do they mean something in scripture? Or was it just he was happened to be standing next to a, a sycamore tree? If he'd been standing next to an oak tree, might he have said, you could have said to this oak tree? Perhaps, but I happen to believe that things are usually there for a reason. <coughs> sycamore trees are interesting. Because you know it's not the only place they're mentioned in Scripture. This isn't the only place it gets a mention. It's not even the only place a sycamore gets a mention in Luke. Because a few chapters on, we will be reading about a man who climbed in a sycamore tree. Ah, and it was possible because it has these low-slung branches. It's quite easy to climb a sycamore tree. So, what is it about sycamores? You know, the, uh, the, the sycamore fig, it needs to actually be, be punctured before it'll fertilise. And if you really, uh, it, it's, sometimes it's done by a fig wasp, but quite often if you want a good crop from a sycamore fig, you have to go and punch little holes in the baby figs as they're growing so it'll fertilise properly. This was what Amos's job was, the prophet Amos, that he was a dresser of sycamore trees. It didn't mean he was in charge of a woodworking business. His job was to punch holes in little figs to get a good crop of sycamore figs. It was a very low-class job. Amos was, did not have a flash job as a prophet. But... It's a sycamore fig. It's quite frost resistant, unlike the common fig. It's very possible, since people would go under the sycamore tree, or sycamore fig tree, that this is the fig tree referred to in John 1, verse 48. Um, we'll even have a quick look at that one. John 1, 48. John 1, 48, starting verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said unto him, 
Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Under a fig tree, probably under a sycamore fig. Because it's very difficult to get under a commercial common fig tree. He was probably under a sycamore fig. It would appear, it would appear from the story of Zacharias, Zacchaeus, from the story of Philip, that sycamore figs are associated with people looking for a saviour, people searching for salvation. Now that's just the result of a, a, uh, a very brief look at sycamore figs. It's well worthy of study. You, you want to you know, fill your heart and get some benefit? Go looking up sycamore trees in scripture. There's all sorts of things about them uh, and fig trees. But that's the, the, where we get to here, that we have a big, strong, tough tree that Jesus said if you had as much faith as a little grain of mustard seed, you could tell it to get up and go and sit in the sea. And it would do it. Indicating to us that we have tiny, tiny, tiny amount of faith. Less than a grain of mustard seed. Less than a size of a That's how little our faith is. And then our Lord begins to go on a, a parable. Which it, on the surface has, it seems it's got nothing to do with faith. But in fact, it's, it's important because the question is asked, if you have this faith, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the faith you've got? And he says in verse 7, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? But will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, and after I have eaten and drunken, uh, and, until I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards then shalt thou eat and drink. Doth he thank the servant, because he does the things that were commanded him? I trow not, I think not. So likewise, when ye have done, shall have done all the things which are commanded unto you, say, We are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. A parable, a parable of service. Putting the question to us that if God grants us this small measure of faith, what are we going to do with it? Jesus is getting at here that the faith given to us by the gift of God is given for service, for using for doing. And he, he has this illustration. He says, now, you've got a servant. He's out working. Gets dark. Do you say to him, well, you know, come on in and I'll fix a meal for you. No, you say to him, you come in and fix me a meal. You do everything I want you to do. And then when it's finished, you can then have yours. Now, we, we might think this, 
this was uh, a little bit harsh, but what we have to remember here, this is not the case of someone who is employed, who you know clocks on it at eight and finishes at five. This is someone who is a servant who is bound to their master permanently. They have no free time. They have no time off. This is a slave's position that is being talked about here. And therefore, he doesn't get thanked for what he does. It's his duty. And, and I was thinking about this, and it struck me that sometimes you do things and you don't get thanked for it. And under certain circumstances, that might get people upset, but under certain circumstances, it's exactly the, uh, the correct procedure. I was, I was thinking about times not too far long ago when I would be standing on a parade ground and you would be, you have done everything to get yourself looking good and you stand there and it's freezing cold because it's 10 to 7 in the morning and your fingers are going numb and you've marched on as best you possibly can and you've shunned and at eased and saluted and turned and lefted and righted and done everything correctly and right at the end of it the fellow in charge just says dismissed do you feel like saying oh hang on aren't you going to come up and say Really nice job with the shoes there. Thank you very much for getting them shiny. Great, great job with pressing the jacket. It's all, the pleats are all nice and neat. You know, you, you did a really good job with the salute. Thank you very much. No, they don't say that. And the thing is, nor do you expect them to. Because it was your duty to come in prepared. It was your duty to come in ready. It was your duty to salute. It was your duty to march. It was your duty to do everything exactly right first time. And the best you will get is dismissed. No complaints. And that's the image that Jesus is giving here. He's saying to us, when you do this for God, it's not something... That is, that is a favour to God. Service from a Christian is not something that we do looking up to God and expecting him to go, wow, that was really good. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. No, it's our duty. And in fact, when you've done everything, everything, in the light of what God has done for us, when we've done everything we possibly can, when we look at that and then compare what God has done for us, we say we are unprofitable servants. We've only just done the bare minimum. In fact, we haven't even done that. We have been given faith by Christ 
by our Lord to serve him. And we need to realise that we do not do these things for our own glory. We do not even do these things very often for the people that we do them to. We do these things for our Lord and Saviour. And that at the heart of that is our faith, our faith in Christ. And it's important to understand that we do not witness or evangelise better because we are more eloquent. We witness or evangelise better because we have more faith. We are to take this faith and use it to serve. We are to use it to, not to serve ourselves, not to serve our other fellow servants, but to serve him who gave us that faith. And when we look back at what we have done, we will say it really wasn't that much. When we in glory look back at the service we have done for Christ, when we look at all and understand properly in eternity what he has done for us, when we look back at what we have done for him, we will go, it wasn't that much. Lord, increase our faith that we may serve you. Now, most people would then look at the next section and say, oh, that's a, that's a separate topic. You know, it, it, it's, it's on something different. But I'll put it to you that the connection between verse 5 and verse 19 tell a different story. For in verse 5, the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. But in verse 19, the Lord says, Arise, go thy way, for thy faith hath made thee whole. There's a connection there that binds these, this request by the disciples, the parable of service, and the story of these men into one whole about Faith. These are all about faith. The disciples realising that they lack it. The Lord explaining what you're to do with it. And then an example of faith. Because this is faith in action. This is a, a, a if you like, we, we've had the question, we've had the answer, we've had the, the theoretical. Now we're going to see faith in action. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village. There, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. There were ten men. They were all lepers. And that's all anybody cared about. No one cared their name. No one cared how much money they had. No one cared how, how, how important they used to be. They were ten and they were all lepers. They were all the same. And that is like humanity. When, when, when mankind stands before God, 
God doesn't care how much money they've got. God doesn't care how important they are to other people. They're sinners and they stand condemned. The unsaved think that they have power and think that they have influence, but before God, they stand condemned and unclean and afar off. That's why this, this is so often used as a picture of sin. The lost humanity is condemned by sin, made unclean and is afar off from a holy and righteous God. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now notice they all made the same plea. They all had the same problem and they all made the same plea. They all said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It was a wise and sensible thing that they did. They didn't promise anything. They didn't say, Lord, if you, if you cure us, we'll do this. If you just get us out of this problem, we'll do that. No, they asked for mercy. And they, they said, Jesus, Master, they realised who they were dealing with. And they said, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Well, that was the appropriate thing to do for a person who was cleansed of leprosy, was to go to the priest and show themselves to him. But they hadn't been cured yet. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. That's an important thing, that they needed to demonstrate that little tiny, tiny little bit of faith that he was talking about earlier. They needed to demonstrate that mustard seed size of faith by going and obeying his words and going to the priest. They demonstrated that they did indeed have faith in him by heading off to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. All of them had the same problem. Problem. All of them made the same request and all of them received the same cure. As they were going, they were cleansed. Now, just incidentally, I, I, I just got to put this in. Can you imagine the reaction at the temple when these guys show up? Now, there's, there's these 10 guys. They show up to the temple. So knock on, you know, uh, I don't know if they had an admission section or a, you know, reception area. And they come in and they say, uh, yeah, what do you, what do you guys want? And they said, we, we want to offer a sacrifice. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's the business we're in at the temple, sacrifices. What sacrifice do you want? Peace offering? Um, you know, we do uh, uh, goodwill offerings. We give thank offerings. And they said, what, what sacrifice do you want? Oh, I want to do the sacrifice that you give for when you're cured of leprosy. Cured of leprosy. Um, I'm not familiar with that one. Well, we know it's in there somewhere. Yeah, but it's not one we do a lot of. Oh, really? Well, um, when did you last have someone give a, a, a sacrifice for being cured of leprosy? Let me think. No, there was Naaman the Syrian. No, he didn't come to the temple because he was a Syrian. That would be uh, Miriam, the sister of Moses. Oh, and actually, the temple wasn't built then. Come to think of it, we've never actually done this one before. 
Now, you'd think that this might be alerting the priests that there was something unusual happening here. So it would be, you're cured of leprosy. How did this happen? Well, they said, you know that, that guy, Jesus? The, the, oh, him. Him, yeah. Yeah, him. He cured us of our leprosy. And he said, now come here and, and I want to do the sacrifice for it. It was a testimony to the priests. A message to the priests and their lack of faith was happening here. But that's, that's just, and, and incidentally, if you, if you ever think that God does not have a sense of humour, you look at some of these stories and you can see there was, there, there was a, a, a level of um, irony and almost sarcasm being used in some of these, these messages. But we're more important looking at the fact that these were 10 men, 10 men with the same problem, 10 men who made the same application to Christ, 10 men who received the same cure, 10 men who therefore had the same faith. They all had the same faith. They were all cured. They were all healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. One of them, of the ten, did something to the one, for the one who had cured him. One out of the ten. Only one came back and worshipped at the feet of the one who had healed him. Only one gave thanks to God. Only one returned and worshipped Christ. And Jesus answering said, but were not there 10 cleansed? But there, where are the nine? Where are the nine? I put it to you. 10 people get saved. 10 people call out to God for forgiveness for their sin. There'll be one of them who will return and worship and serve and, and give thanks to God and put their shoulder to the wheel and say, God, what would you have me to do? There'll be one who'll serve. And sometimes I think Christ looks down upon this world and sees 10 people saved and one serving him and says, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Out there in the world, there are a bunch of Christians Saved people, blood-bought people, and they're the nine who've experienced the grace of God, but they have not put their shoulders back to the wheel and to serve the one who saved them. Their faith has not been used to serve. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. 
And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now there is two ways you can, you can use that expression, you know, you're, you're whole. One is you're cleansed, you're, you're, you're physically whole. But two, the fact that your faith caused you to come back and worship at the feet of Christ and say, I'm yours and I'll do what you want, makes you whole, it makes you complete, it makes you what you should be. People who experience the grace and the gift of God yet do not serve him. They're not whole. Not yet. Oh, they might, they're saved, but they're not, they're not whole. They're part. They're missing something. How much faith do we have? How much faith do we have? What do you use your faith for? Do you use your faith to serve your Saviour? Do you use your faith to help others? <clears throat> or perhaps you're more interested in moving sycamore trees. Are you interested in doing what God wants? Have you been out ploughing or, or, or feeding cattle or feeding like the servant in the story? Or would you rather move a sycamore tree? Pick it up and move it into the ocean. Looks flashy, but what does it achieve? Unfortunately, there are also Christians out there who take their faith and become tree movers. They set up Jim's sycamore tree removal service. They're more concerned with their faith being flashy and showy and making people go, look at me, look at me, rather than serving Christ. What do we use our faith for? Do we use our faith to build ourselves up? Do we use our faith to make ourselves look good to other Christians? Or do we use our faith to serve our Saviour? That little grain of mustard seed that we have, do we want God to give us some more? Then we need to start with what we have and say, well, how am I using this faith that God's given me? Am I serving him with it? The question was asked sometimes, how does God give you faith? How does God give you courage? How does God give you wisdom? And I'll tell you one of the ways he does it. One of the ways he does it is he puts you in a position where you need to exercise faith. Do you want courage? Then God will place you in positions where you need to be brave. Do you want to be wise? Well, God will place you in positions where you, a position where you need to use wisdom. 
Do you want to have more faith? Well, God will put you in a position where you need to exercise faith. And the question is, will you do it or will you back off? For faith, like everything else, grows with use. When I started to to try and get fit, I did it by basically getting up off the couch and going for a run. And I went for my first run and I got home and I thought, okay, that was fun. Well, the next day, I decided to, if I was going to do this properly, I needed to do it again. So I went out and the second day, oh, it hurt. It hurt. So much did it hurt. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this thing really isn't what I should be doing. But I realised that you exercise with what you've got and it grows. Any fitness person will tell you, you take the muscles that you've got now and you exercise them and they get bigger. That's the whole simple thing. That's the way it works. Well, really, faith is not that much different. You take the faith you've got and you exercise with it and you do things with it and it gets bigger. It might go to two mustard seed size. You could move trees one with each hand. You could do things for God by exercising your faith. How do you exercise your faith? The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. How do you do that? Well, God will put you in positions where you need to exercise faith. It may be talking to someone. It may be a simple question like, do I get up this morning and go to church or do I roll over and go back to sleep? Hey, you're past that one. You're here. Terrific. See, you you managed to get that one. But there'll become times when you'll say, what do I do here? And God says, exercise your faith. Work it. Move it. And you'll see it grow. And when you do that, you'll be, one of the, you'll be part of the one, not part of the nine. You'll be part of the one that returned and gave glory to God. Not glory to themselves, but glory to God. For what is the function of our faith? Our fu- the function of our faith in the final essence is to get glory to God who gave that faith to us. (coughs) For remember that the passage in Ephesians that says, by grace are ye saved through faith, and that's not your own, not of your own, yourself. It is the gift of God. God gave you some faith. You got saved. And now he says, exercise it, work it, build it. For the glory of the one who gave you that faith in the first place. What will you do today with your faith? Will you exercise it? Will you build it? Will you grow it? Will you serve with it? Will you make your 
will you make a name for yourself with it? Or will you go and move a sycamore tree so everybody says, oh, wow, that's flashed. That looks good. Or will you try and do things for God with it? What will you do with your mustard seed sized grain of faith that God has given you? Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Where do you want me to use it? And he will give you an opportunity to use your faith and to see wondrous things happen. What are we going to do with our faith? This can be a very exciting week when you see your faith move sycamore trees. Thank you.